It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic. It's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded, and I just wanted to reintroduce you to us. I am VA. I'm, hor- uh, I'm here, of course, with Jeff. Yo. And Tim. Heidi ho. Heidi ho, indeed. Okay, it's been quite a, a couple of weeks, guys. Uh, the last time we recorded, it was just before the trade deadline. You know, but the Bruins had made a very important trade. And I just want to start off by saying I'm in love with Hampus Lindholm, which if you followed my Twitter in the last couple of weeks, you would know that. But I am. Why did no one tell me he was six foot four? Honestly, like, as I told you, when you mentioned this, I'm like, I think maybe he's just like one of those guys that's secretly large. Yeah. Like, there's, like, everything about him. I had no idea. I figured he was, yeah, I had it in my head. It's like, okay, he's, he's a guy, so he's, like, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, <laughs> no, he's, like... He's, you know, hockey normal, yeah. He's, like, six foot four and attractive and all that shit. Like, come on. Like, did you see the TikTok this week of him and, and Brad? Um, I did not. Oh, my God, it's so cute. Are you new here? Yeah. <laughs> my favorite was after their first game and they won his first game and they won he told everyone he was taking them to ikea for team dinner (laughs) meatballs were on him (laughs) (laughs) that video was the best video i've ever seen in my life i okay i love a guy who can make fun of himself his culture and how it's perceived okay so yes of course this guy has my heart even even though i find the sedine twins a little bit creepy in a way they're twins that's what that's just what twins are that commercial of like the guy getting excited that he had swedish twins and it's like the (laughs) the sedine twins awkwardly dancing in their full uniforms i still love that commercial it's creepy and weird. And yes, they share an office. They share an office <laughs> with the Canucks. Not two offices, an office. Even when they get into the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, I hope they get the, I hope they share a plaque. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if either of them belongs on their own merits, but as a unit, they absolutely do. <laughs> so anyway, do they sit? Do they share a desk? Do you think? Do they sit side by side? Do they or sit across from each other, facing each other? You know, like a uh, yeah, like mirror images. I. I don't know. I like I learned that <laughs> two of them facing each other, each of them reach for the cup of coffee at the exact same time. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's just like there are lots of hockey players who have twins, which I, I find fascinating, but none so prominent as the Sedine twins, right? And Well well, there hasn't been a case where they were both good otherwise. Like Right. You know, Joel Lundqvist, not good. And 
And and and and and, and Tamo Selene is a much win, not a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I get it. Or I, I still think that part of the reason Selene was able to make the comeback after the year long lockout was actually his twin. But... <laughs> 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 or there was both of them after that, a, a prestige situation. Two men living the same life. <laughs> Yes, it could definitely be that. It could be that. But I just like I I was reading. How did I find this out this week? I was reading an article about Jim Rutherford uh, making the decision to hire women for the front office of the Canucks, uh, something that he had vowed a, a, a decade ago he would do. Right. Which I was like, Jim Rutherford, old hockey guy. What? Hey, progressive. Jim Rutherford's an interesting, interesting man. He is. <laughs> Because he's both a dinosaur and very progressive at the same time, sometimes in the course of the same sentence. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that was great. So I was, you know, reading about Cami Granato, who, like I've said, better at hockey than her brothers. And and the former agent there, I can't remember her name. But anyway, they're... Casting away. Yeah. So AGMs uh, with the, the Canucks, this is a great move. Fantastic. But my takeaway from the article was the Sedine twins share an office. <laughs> yes. Okay. So anyway, back to Hampus Limholm. I love him. Such a good fit. Oh my God. Like I, I, I it's just like an absolute glove. Like I, I love my, I love the BU connection as first pair, but this one, holy shit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I like it. So um, Lindholm frees up McAvoy to do McAvoy things. So I think that's the, the takeaway. Um, but, you know, Lindholm occasionally will play with Carlo. He's done that a little bit. And last night he was responsible for, um, you know, uh, an assist on Howla's power play goal. So which was barely a power play goal it was the last second of the power play <laughs> the guy just hadn't come out of the box yet okay so i guess that all brings us to like so post deadline we recorded we had Lindholm. yep big stories what is what are things that didn't happen and did and the happen. one thing that and the one thing and the one ish thing that did Okay, I'm curious where you're going with, so I'm going to let you go. Here, tell us. Well, okay, of course. So, Jake DeBrusque, as everyone listening surely knows, is still a Bruin. Yeah, and I thought he definitely wouldn't be a Bruin by the end of the day because of... Two-year contract extension, $4 million a year. Under his QO, which was important, you know, the idea being that it would be easier to trade with that, without that, um, uh, that, that particular sort of Damocles hanging over his head. Because that's one of the reasons, that, one of the presumed reasons that say... Uh, Vancouver didn't trade Brock Besser, for example, because he's got an enormous QO that he is unambiguously not worth. <laughs> yeah, don't want that. I mean, Brock Besser, a good player, not a seven and a half million dollar player. <laughs> no, and he's fallen off in the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that didn't happen. Likewise, and this is, of course, almost certainly directly tied to the not moving Jake DeBrusque, is they did not acquire either a actual right wing for the first line or a 2C upgrade. Well, 
is well, very well, interesting. There, there are several things where that last one leads, yes. Yes, well, let, let's get back to the right-wing thing. Um, yeah, I thought that, honestly, Jake DeBrus was going to get traded. Uh, once I saw the deal come in, I was like, oh, he'll be gone by the end of the day. Nope. Um, so Jake DeBrusque was his own rental until he became not his own rental. He is just Jake DeBrusque, uh, top line right wing. And interestingly enough, I think it was Brad Marchand who said, you know, Jake's really coming into his game. He's doing good things. Yes, he, he, um, you know, he is pretty hot when he initially moved up to that line, chilled, cooled off for a while leading up to the deadline. But it's now what four four goals in four in his last four games. Yeah, and he's doing really good things on the ice, even if it doesn't lead to a goal. So, I think that's really important to note because a lot of times we just look at the uh, the um, uh, the end product instead of and, thinking and about the, the rest of the time. Is one of the places where DeBrusque has historically struggled and badly. Right. So I think that Jake DeBrusque deserves some praise here. He absolutely does because he's doing the things he needs to do. He's on that top line. I think he's playing with a bit of confidence because um, he feels that he should be a top six player. And uh, so now he is a top six player. And as long as he keeps doing the good things, he'll stay there. The whole trade thing never worked out. Uh, he has not rescinded his trade request. So... Does he get dealt at the uh, draft? Does he get dealt some other time? I don't know. Does he just stay? Or, or does his mind change? Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah. In the meantime, great news. You know, I mean, I have a feeling that he's one of a short list of players that are very likely to leave this, go out outbound this summer. Because whether it comes to re-signing Bergeron or <sighs> replacing him, the team will need to create some cap space, whether it's by buying out Felino or trading DeBrusque or Mike Riley, those being the three most likely places where, where, where salary would exit. <laughs> but anyway, that's a future problem. So also not doing fixing the 2C situation, which a lot of the Bruins media seem to be priming us for for the last two weeks or so leading up to the deadline, particularly as potential centers fell off the market left and right. I didn't think they were going to upgrade there. Well, that's just sticks. In the end, really the only center that could have plausibly played there, and I don't really think he's a top six C, he's a three C or a top six wing, is Andrew Cup. Mm. He wouldn't have been enough of an upgrade over Howla for what the Rags paid for him. Nope, and Howla is fast. And has been on a heater since the deadline. I've, I've been thinking a lot about Howla, which... That should make Tim very happy. Same. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking a lot about Hala, and I think that maybe every team has deployed him in a way that maybe doesn't speak to all of his skills. And Bruce Cassidy took a long, hard look, because remember, he didn't make a decision until January. He took a long, hard look at Hala and was like, if you can just take care of the defensive responsibility between Hall and Pasternak, and guess what? He's been doing great. He really has. Two goals last night. More. Uh, Howell is up to 12 goals. Remember when he we were waiting for him to score one? 
And that's not even talking about the assists. He's got a lot of assists too, or he's got a lot more than he did. Well, well, some idea there. He's almost, he's only, he's down to only uh, four points behind uh, Charlie Coyle, who keep in mind has been, at least in terms of scoring, been having a little bit of a career year. <laughs> why, why are we going to fix something that doesn't seem to be a problem right now? And it's like, I look at things, it's like, okay, the top line is getting some really tough matchups. And the second line also gets some tough matchups. And then you've got the third line that's like, okay, I got this, which is great. How long have we been waiting for three scoring lines? Oh, and it's been beautiful because like for the last month, um, you know, for, for the last month, Howla, DeBrusque, and Craig and Craig Smith have both been re- have both been, been red hot a lot of the time, right? Which again, Craig Smith, he just seems to be enthusiastic about the month of March. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's at 15 goals now. It's like, okay, the guy's probably still going to pull off his, you know, his, his routine 20-goal season. It's just all going to happen in a month and a half, which is not optimal. But, you know, goals are goals. It doesn't really matter when they happen, necessarily. <laughs> if you want a team to get hot, this is the time you want them to get hot. Not October. Yeah. Not November. After January 1st is good, but March and April, yes, that's that's the ideal time. So maybe he's the March hare, Craig Smith. <laughs> so so anyway, I I don't think they needed an upgrade at two C. Oh my God, third line's a tea party. We should figure out a way to call this the tea party line because like <laughs> Trent Frederick's definitely the Mad Hatter. <laughs> Damn it, Cor- damn it, Coyle, why are you from Weymouth and not Dorchester? Because then you'd be the Dormouse. Oh, my God. <laughs> Coyle. Coyle is Alice. <laughs> she told. He totally is. She totally is. Sorry, I misgendered you. She- <laughs> He's like Alice. <laughs> He's just kind of tumbling through. just kind of discovering things as he goes along and every once in a while he becomes a a bad golden retriever (laughs) but anyway yeah i mean i i just uh you know uh you gotta love seeing hella who's had mixed results in other places and has felt unwelcome in lots of other places and now it's like he's 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 been a spare part almost everywhere he's been since that one third, since that one big season in uh, his the first year in uh, in Vegas, right? Injuries and traded for nothing, and then also traded for nothing, and then allowed to walk to UFA twice. <laughs> well, that's okay. We appreciate you here, and Tim appreciates you more than anybody else, Eric. Halla. I certainly do. I love you, Eric Halla. <laughs> you have a you have you have a home here well until very recently i figured you know uh, seventh player was guaranteed no shick but uh how was the one who's pre- performing way above the level that anyone including possibly management possibly could have expected <laughs> he's gotta win it well again it was a uh, like uh it, it was getting hot at the right time right he needed a, a line change he needed a different role, and again, his speed. And the, so, the cert- eventually, the certainty of actually having that role, rather than like you know, everyone talking about they need a two C. So how is this like? Okay, so what happens to me when that happens? Because like, for a while there, he was performing well on that line, but not scoring. But then since the deadline, he's scoring too. <laughs> you know, he had two goals last night. 
He was the first star of the game. Absolutely deserved it. But, you know, the great thing about Howl is he has um, he has the ability to clean up the defensive messes that the other two don't pay attention to. That's his job. And then he can go the full 200 feet to go score if he needs to, which, you know, we've got a couple of other players that can kind of do that. But it reminds me a little bit of Marshy. Marshy is really good at like uh, just speeding down the ice and being defensively responsible and well scoring obviously. Hal is no Marshy, but he's got some some um, measurables that are similar. I guess we'll say. And it sort of is a testament to Bruce's sort of coming into this philosophy of duos mm-hmm. because all four lines are two incredibly strong players with extraordinary chemistry, and then also another guy. Mm-hmm. without that other guy you wouldn't be allowed to have the two guys to have the chemistry that they do because we know we we know that hall and pasta when they are on oh man stay away and Hall is just happy to either not be on the ice because this is happening in overtime or you know to be behind doing whatever he needs to do it's fine i, I he relishes his role he's stepped up what more can you ask for from, from Eric Howla? Okay, so yeah, we didn't get a 2C. We didn't need a 2C. There was talk of getting uh, Ricard Raquel, and that was exciting. And I purely wanted that because Lindholm needs his best friend. But alas, that didn't happen. You know? So he'll have to make new friends with his Swedish meatballs at Ikea. Luckily, there's one in Stoughton. It's not too far out of the city. Well, it's like, you know, and we do have another Swede on the team here, right? So he's not, you know, walking in. Uh... Yeah, but did that Swede offer to buy team dinner at Ikea? Well, no, because he was too busy hugging the Alaskan. <laughs> to be fair, because I don't see Alaskans that often. I would also want to hug the Alaskan. The Alaskan king! By way of Maine. Yes. I told you, he went to Maine to warm up. <laughs> ease himself into civilization you go from alaska to orono to real cities <laughs> uh, i mean i saw a little bit of the jeremy swayman my story this week and it sounded like he loved going to orono he loved being a main black bear so you should be happy about that tim I am. He's a main black bear. Great. Although I didn't appreciate the main on main crime yesterday. Oh, fuck Gus Nyquist. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Gus Nyquist lost me when he didn't want to be traded to the Bruins. He made it a point to not be traded to the Bruins. I have no memory of this. He was traded to the Sharks. He went to the Sharks. I remember that. I remember that trade. I didn't remember the Bruins were were even in on it, though. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they were in on it, but he said he didn't want to go to the Bruins and that made its way out into the public. Mm. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you. We don't want you either. Yeah, he's my least favorite Columbus Blue Jacket. Because fuck that guy. But also he is the Umean Black Bear Great. Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) Okay, I've said it like four or five times in a row. I'm I'm done. I get it. I get it, Tim. I, I get it, but I also no. Oh and my like God. I understand because particularly with Bishop being effectively retired now, there isn't a lot of other former um, uh, main Black Bears uh, active in the league at the moment. Bishop, no, there isn't. They, they've been a yeah. really yeah. We they've been a, well, 
uh, Jimmy Howard had been too, but he's also retired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a they had quite a run of goalies. But um, yeah, they they apparently, from what I understand, the combination of being at Orono and then dropping the money about five ten years ago on recruitment, they've had real trouble getting top rung players. Which even though they used to be routinely have some excellent and future NHLers. Yeah, they've had a they have they have had a tough time as of late um, recruiting, which is too bad because obviously their glory days of the '90s. They won a national title even when I was. A freshman in college, they were in the Frozen Four, which I mean, in the nineties they managed to get the coup of you know having of, of, of recruiting Paul Korea. So like, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that helps. That'll help things a lot. Guy goes on to have the best NCAA scoring season of all time. That uh, not even Jack Eichel managed to even like kind of um, replicate. Yeah, <laughs> they they've had some tough times up in Orono. With the hockey team recently, I think th- this year they were really bad. Like Swayman's junior year, which was his last year there, there they they actually had a pretty good season going when everything was shut down with the pandemic and everything like that. But their entire defensive strategy was Swayman will stop it. Honestly, he should have been <laughs> uh, a bit higher in the um. Uh... Hobie Baker finals just because of that, because like he carried that team. <laughs> like, yeah, he dragged that team to, to where they were because I mean, he was, he, he saw, he saw like something stupid, like a few hundred shots more than the next goal. Like he led the league in uh shot scene and he, the the second place person was like a few hundred behind him. He was just getting peppered night in and night out. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's not a great strategy. You got to play some defense. I think it's helped him though. Well, yeah, I mean, because this defense in the last co- in the last week has fallen apart at times, and we will talk about that a little bit later. That didn't help him that night though. Oof, that was a tough night. Speaking of defense. The last thing that the Bruins picked up was a Josh Brown. It's a thing you could do, I suppose. I think they need a little snarl on defense. They need somebody who, not necessarily who's some, a punchy face guy, but some guy who's going to throw his weight around a little bit. And, well, he did punchy faces. And then he apparently got, like, clipped in the head in the second period and is now out with an UBI. So... Yeah, so like, I mean, like what they do to get here, they get, they finally granted Zach Sinishin his freedom. And by freedom, I mean they sentenced him to a period of servitude as an Ottawa senator. Yep. So, uh, you know, I hope those uh, paychecks clear, uh, Zach. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a little mean, I know. Yeah. And um, what was it, a, a fifth and sedition in exchange for... For Brown in a seventh, I believe, was the trade. Seventh was a conditional. It would go to a sixth if Sinishin played enough games. He is yet to play a game for them. Oh, is he with their AHL affinity? No, he's currently, according to Cap Friendly, he's currently, quote, unassigned. 
Is that a quarantine thing? They're going to keep him unassigned, and then they're going to assign him to the NHL team so he doesn't play enough games, and the the, the pick stays a seventh-round pick. Okay, okay, this is weird. So he has played five games with Belleville. He's just like, they just haven't properly filed him under on the uh, by depth chart site, but if you go into his individual, he's played five games for Belleville, had two assists. Okay. He was having a good year in Providence. His best year by far. I think that Sweeney's just going, hey, if I get rid of all of the 2015 draft Ds that didn't really work, then we don't have to talk about that draft. (laughs) Uh, That's not necessarily how that works, but I guess only if they they do things elsewhere, which anyway, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Zaboral. Yeah. Seeing as he is a group six, but was, you know, before his knee injury was was like looking like he might have might have might have been doing the thing. Yeah, he turned a corner. It was really a shame to see him uh, get injured. Uh, and uh, hopefully, I mean, I want to see more Zaboral. I'd rather see a Zaboral than a Josh Brown, honestly. Well, that's just it. Brown's body. They needed Sweeney is still clearly has a PTSD from from that um, uh, uh, 2017 um, uh, series against Ottawa. He should. Blame him. Yeah. Well, because it came up again last year, too, right? That's why they lost the Isles. They had no defensemen left. I mean, that's why, like, you know, people still shit talk Grizz about it. It's like, well, Grizz was like, Grizz and Riley were the only NHL caliber defensemen during the latter half of that elimination game last last spring. Like, you know, when things really fell apart it was during that 15-minute period where McAvoy was off the ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have put that out of my head. I barely remember that. But in any case, you know, he's, he's a body. It's fine. Yeah. And it's just because there was no no depth on the right wing, right? On the right defense. I mean, in fact, one of the few right defend, right shot defensemen in Providence got, since the deadline, traded for future considerations. Um, because, sure, um, for some reason, they, they decided that Brady Lyle no longer needed to be here. Which was too bad. He had a really good year last year for like a shortened season he like dropped off quite a bit this year oh okay yeah i i yeah, saw so, that the so, other so day he's a he's a blue now <laughs> well that really i i can't make a pun out of that i was gonna say it really blows but it's not the same he's probably I mean, the feeling blue. Blow. the san louis blows feels about right <laughs> he's probably feeling blue <laughs> And like you know, and their 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 team MVP there, you know, Kelly Sutherland. <laughs> I hate him so much. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. If I met him, I would punch him in the face. I hate him so much. Uh, but that also means that Brady Lyle is now a Springfield Thunderbird because that's the Blues AHL team. Well, I and I fucking hate this. I hate the. Sp- Springfield Thunderbirds because that's who the Portland Pirates turned into. So fuck the Thunderbirds forever. After the previous Springfield team moved, that was a weird, a whole weird thing. But I yeah. will, I, I will say, if you're in that part of the state, there's a uh, really great German place called uh, the Student Prince. Yes, yes, you should go there if you're going to a game there. But you shouldn't go see the Springfield Thunderbirds play. Well, we went to see the Bruins play them. The P Bruins, so. Um, I mean, that's fine, but fucking hate them. We were meeting up with the Joes. We had a lovely dinner, and we went to see that game. 
So anyway, that was a couple of years ago. That was that was pre-pandemic, if you can imagine it. Remember the before times when we used to do things? Times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a, a fun time that we had once upon a time. But Kether, Kelly Sutherland, I I can't even say his name. I can't stand him so much, and I I'm still not over, still not over the trip. I know there are lots of yeah. other people out there who are not over it either. So, yeah. And when I get through that and realize what else happened since then, I just, I don't know. It's going to be a real, real ugly time. I mean, like, Leafs fans still aren't over Kerry Frazier. So, like, you know, this won't go away. Kerry Frazier? He was the, the ref on the famous uh, the high, high stick by Gretzky against, I want to say, Doug Gilmore in the 94 um, uh, conference finals that basically cost the, uh, the Leafs uh, a chance to be in that, in the 93 rather, chance to be in that cup, in, in, the, in that cup final against Montreal. <laughs> Fuck you, Leafs. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta tell you, I still have not watched that video, but that person who put together like the 50 years of failure of the Leafs or whatever. the f- <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. That's going to be fun. Anyway. Honestly, it, with the Leafs, normally when you have a fan base that hasn't won something in a long time, you kind of feel bad for them and you kind of want them to win. Just so they can taste it. With the Leafs, I really don't feel that way. I hope they never win a goddamn thing ever in their entire life. <laughs> I just want to say it's like they, 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 yeah, like Leafs fans are sore winners, possibly because they're they're not. They, they 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 need to know what's the thing they say about young players. You need to act like you've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. Like, at least fans, I, I I understand they're new at this. They don't have a lot of experience in the field, but like, act like, like you've been there before, guys. Yeah, <laughs> all the the chest thumping and stuff over a six four win in in March. Holy <laughs> shit! I I I was just shocked at how insane like it it's all like was. A- it's like this is a March game between two teams that have already uh, have, have already closed the deal on their playoff positions. I'm surprised anyone's even watching. <laughs> yeah, like what? But it was all oh, we broke the Bruins. Yeah, sure you did. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, he broke him real good. <laughs> all you managed to do is piss him off. Like, come on. I I do want to talk about this. I do. Is now the time to talk about this? I mean, we, we're we're done with the trade stuff, right? I think yes. Yeah, we've covered mom. Oh, Tuka, so sweet. So Tim brought up the Maple Leafs game, and it is one that we need to talk about. So let's just file this under. Well, I mean, it was the only loss, outright loss, you know, by the Bruins in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it was the only one in reg- in regulation that they had. Right, right. So we do need to talk about it because uh, the Bruins are not always shiny, happy people who win everything all the time. But at least their their fans are even keeled enough to understand that a loss 
in the regular season is just that it's a loss in the regular season. We do not need to despair. We can be disappointed. We can be sad. We can be like, oh, damn it. Those Leafs, they won a game. And then we can go on our quest for uh, March Munch uh, to three different star markets after the game. I'm just saying that. No, I'm saying that's what I did. Uh, also, like, ultimately, it was um, one of only two regulation. Oh, I'm sorry, three regulation. Uh, yeah, three of the regulation losses in the entire month of March. Yeah, the Bruins are so wrecked by that. Oh, my God. <laughs> they might not ever win again. You know how Brick says the Bruins, you know, to win a game, they need to start on time? Yeah. That did not happen that night. the Bruins were always about 10 or so minutes behind uh, in time like they didn't quite get the memo as to when the game started and uh, poor Jeremy Swayman had a bad night but the defense in front of him had a terrible night and that's part of why he had a really bad night I'm can I just ask this question how many goals do you have to let your goalie let in before you decide to pull them? I mean, usually at four once or five. Three, once you give up three in a period, I think it's over to me. But Fair enough, yeah. Unless you have schedule concerns, like, you know, you're the second night. You're on one of the nights of a back-to-back. Right. The other goalies either, you know, needs to be fresh for tomorrow or is already fried. <laughs> All right, well... That wasn't this case. Uh, they would be playing in yeah. two days again, again. So, you know, by that logic, okay, using Jeff's logic, which is pretty sound, Jeremy Swayman should have been pulled at the end of the first. Um, and using Tim's logic, which I also share in that logic, Tim, I think if a goalie lets in four goals, it's time to go. But you know what? You're both right. You're both right. Because not even quite halfway through the second period before – Swayman let in another goal and he should have, you know, I, I would rather quietly pull a goalie rather than do it in the middle of a period. So to yes. me, it, you know, pulling him at the end of the sec- uh, the first was the, the thing to do because he was not Probably having a right. good time. Right. No, but Tim, I agree with your logic. That's my idea is that four goals, boom, you're gone, you know, unless special circumstances prevent it. So Swayman had a bad night. It's going to happen. Yep. Uh, that is just the way it is with teams, with goalies, with everybody. Be- people have good nights. They have bad nights. was not his night. Half the defense laid an, half of the defense laid an absolute leg in front of him. Cliffy and Carlo come to mind. Yep. And I, I could see why they had him. They didn't pull him when they could have. Um, it could be one of those things where because he's young, that Cassidy just wanted to get him to see how he responded, which makes which makes sense. If if you want to see how your goalie is going to respond to a bad night, I mean, there you go. It's a it's a random, almost nothing game in March. So like that was kind of the time to do it. Cassidy after the game did call it a measuring stick game. So, uh, so if you want to know how the Bruins responded to that, they, they basically wanted to see how they matched up against the, the Maple Leafs. And it turns out that was not a good night 
<laughs> for the Bruins, and they didn't but match up very to well. To their credit, they did, you know, wake up way too late and closed the game strong. It's just they were in way too deep a hole at that point. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to – look, Ben's logic and the thing that we joke about all the time still holds. They needed to score five goals to beat the Bruins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh Peter Morazic left very early in the first, uh got injured and turns out he tore a groin. His season's done. Yeah. Yeah, his season's done. Um so he I think he got surgery or something so he's done and uh you know, I was a little sad about that because I know the Bruins can beat Morazic. This other guy unknown quantity. Um I mean, but Calgren, unless uh, unless Campbell's not healthy, Calgren's not going to be starting in the playoffs. But the thing is, is Campbell's been bad since the beginning of December. <laughs> like, really bad. Yeah, I was kind of hoping to see Campbell, but, you know, then we saw this other guy. So, yeah, the Bruins woke up too late. Defensively, they were very bad. And, of course, as a result of that game, Cliffy is out of the lineup, as he deserved, because he was in on those first couple of goals uh, and did nothing to prevent those. Uh, like I said, Carlo wasn't good that night. Carlo's had a really rough season at times, and other times he looks good. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, sleep he's, uh, is he's missing on, on, on the whole. Well, he's growing Daddy and thing. he's not getting sleep. What the fuck is happening to him? You know, on the Jumbotron the other night, they had him listed at 6'7". I'm like, how? That must be a typo. Well, or, like, do they measure him with measure him on skates? Uh, well, n- no. I mean, he was 6'5 without skates, and then he grew to 6'6". Six, six, and then Mandy and I had a discussion about it, and she's like, oh, he probably grew. It, it happens. It's weird. You know, and then we were talking about how, how we thought 6'3 was small. <laughs> Like, how, how funny is it that we think 6'3 is small? It, it's not. I don't know. I, I He's totally happy to be dead. I think he's not getting a lot of sleep. Well, we see this a lot, though, right? Players immediately after getting a dad will have a boost. But generally speaking, the year they become a dad is not a great season for most of them. <laughs> um, in my in my family, we, we, had, um, we had people who could take care of the child so the mother or the father could sleep. I know this sounds like a weird situation, but uh, basically I used to I used to live with my brother. My niece had a uh, child very young and I used to take care of the baby when I would come home from work at 12 or 1 in the a.m. A.m. So I was the middle of the night caretaker, which was great. Uh, I'd come home. I'd check on the baby. I'd check, uh, change her diaper. I'd, you know, heat up a bottle. We'd sit down in my room where I had Christmas lights everywhere and and, you know, give her the bottle, burp her, make sure she was all good, put her back to sleep. If you're lucky, you have somebody who can be your little nanny <laughs> and it works out for them. Um, but not not everybody has that. So uh, it's tough. It's tough to be a, a new parent, as I'm sure anybody who's a parent listening to this can attest to. So uh, look, all the respect in the world. But it just, it kind of stinks because I'm sure that his afternoon nap gets disrupted. You know, because hockey players, they need that afternoon nap for sure. Mm-hmm. Parenthood is disruptive. I'm sure next year he'll have a bounce back year. It'll be fine. But yeah, it's rough. And look, I am a fangirl. I love him. How long have I loved him? Forever. Since the draft, his draft interview. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, look at him. 
Look at him sitting. Look at those thighs. You know, look at that face. And he's such a sweetheart because I've met him. <gasps> anyway, I love him. I love him to death. But I am fair enough to say, oh, God, you're having a bad game. You know, and I know Jeff is always like, tread on the eggshells, don't want to tell her he's having a bad game. No, no, I get it. I get it. I'm real. I love him to death, though. I said he's had a rough season, but now we have enough, you know, good defensemen that he can be the fourth best defenseman on the team, which is, I think, on almost any team, even a good season from Carlo is the person he's supposed to be. Okay, now you're treading over a line, Jeff. That that wasn't even a criticism. It's just like just this is what Carlo Carlo is, and he has the privilege now of getting to be that instead of having to play up, which I think works to his advantage. This is only good. He's still one of the best pen penalty killers on the team. He's got to be good at something. Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I just want him to be the best at something, Jeff. That's all. They woke up. They woke up late. It was a bad game. We need to acknowledge that. It's like we take the puck and we bury it. We're moving on. It was a burn the tape game. Now, of course... Now, after a game like that, when you've been talking about you have a bunch of players that are sitting that you, you don't want to get back in, you know, so Mike Riley, of course, has been sitting since um, uh, since the Lindholm acquisition. Josh Brown hadn't played a game yet. Mark McLaughlin signed before the deadline had, of course, not gotten into his first Bruins game yet either. And Tom Bleed had been sitting for quite some time. So a combination of healthy scratches. Smith was sick yep. on, uh, on on Thursday. What was the circumstance on Felino? Healthy scratches. Okay, so, so Felino was healthy scratched along with uh, Forbort and Clifton. Yeah, they wanted to play um, Felino last night, obviously. So it was yeah. the time to scratch him. It was fine. Yeah, and so, yeah. So Forbort, I think, was mostly scratched because at the time, Sweeney was like, I want to see. I've been practicing um, uh, Riley and, um, uh, and Brown together, keep it together as a unit. And, well, that is kind of the thing. The four of them were supposed to be competing for the bottom two spots. So, like, why not get both of the scratches in, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, with the possible exception of Brown, but it's kind of hard to judge on his case, all of them came in on Thursday with the B in their all all the newcomers came in with the B in their bonnet. Yep. Riley had an assist at one point. Josh Brown hate got into punchy punchizing I mean, early on. Riley just had a great feisty game, you know, the kind of like the kind of nasty snarl that that uh, Cassidy's been like asking for from his defenseman too, which is not really his game, but he came with it. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he was, like, getting on a, on other people later on in the game. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, oh, that's right. There was some, uh, there was, um, somebody hit McAvoy. I think it was Miles Wood hit McAvoy behind the net. And, you know, it was a good hit, but McAvoy took a, an awkward tumble, right? Um, so it wasn't boarding or anything, but it was, you know, against the glass, hit him. And Riley was like, fuck you. And went after him. Yeah, and there was that whole tussle. Oh, I remember that now. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. That was early, too. Yeah. Bleed was, you know, but Bleed was all over the ice, too, right? I mean, Bleed always, always all over the ice. Yep. It isn't necessarily achieving things, but, like, you know what? If you need a little spark plug, Bleed is your guy. He's on the fourth line, and the fourth line is supposed to start off in their defensive zone and somehow get it over to the offensive zone, right? 
That's and he's basically a bit of a Tasmanian job. devil, which the rest of the fourth line, any other configuration doesn't really have, because that's not that's not what Lazar and Noshik are, and certainly not what but what Felino is. Nope, nope. So it was a, a nice addition, and he's younger, so he can honestly, do all it'll stuff. be interesting to see how much ice time he gets in the playoffs. I saw someone, I don't remember who, suggest on Twitter that he's kind of the kind of guy that will drive another play team insane over the course of a, over the course of a uh, seven game series. Remember when Jake DeBrusk used to do that? Yeah, yeah, you know, until, you know, he got murdered for it, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, that's what happens. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bruins, the Bruins have done well with people like that, with players like that. Well, I just want to say thanks to you, you know, the Devils only had one goal in this game, right? And it was by, as I wrote down, <laughs> yes, as I wrote down in my notes, Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> You know, honestly, the fact that he's a member of the tribe and that entire line is from the Dreyfus Affair just kind of ties it all together, too. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of uh, at least one of the Kachuk boys. It might have been both of them. Honestly, they look a lot alike. And hugging the two Hughes brothers that are in the league now when they were kids. When they were, they looked like they were like, oh. it was the summertime or something. And it was like, oh, no. This like whole thing is like very incestuous. All these players that all grew up together. Apparently, the Hughes are friends with the Kachucks, and well, remember, like inexplicably, like a third of the um, uh, twenty sixteen first round, which was a lot of Americans, were, were were from St. Louis, like a whole shitload of them. Well, when you got a development because like going uh, on. yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt Kachuk, Keller, um, uh, Logan Brown. And I can't remember the others, but there was like five of them, I think. When was Frederick drafted? <laughs> oh, Frederick's part of that same class. Yeah, yeah. so Frederick's one of them. And then I, I want to want to say, yeah, there's someone else. It might be Riley Tufty, who's not really relevant to anything anymore. But yeah. <laughs> you know, can I just say one thing? It's an aside. The Bruins, from time to time, different players on the Bruins will wear like hats or T-shirts of the various other Bruins families' businesses. So I've seen like somebody, I think it might have been Brad, was wearing a, a McAvoy heating and plumbing hat. Um, and in a video, I don't know who it was the other day I saw, was wearing a Frederick like construction or whatever the business is. Um, but it, you can tell it's obviously related to Trent Frederick because it's spelled the same name, uh, same way. It's not a common spelling of Frederick, right? necessarily so i just think it's really cool that the various players like wear these different things from the different families you know um i just wanted to say that but anyway yeah so so many people growing up together but yes thanks to you jacques i just always i always uh say that now i really hope that there's been at least one uh montreal gazette uh article with that (laughs) Uh, you you gotta hope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other thing in this game, in addition to you know just 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 unrelenting, did not boot boots boot did not come off the throat. Mark McLaughlin, yep, local boy, Billerica, North Billerica. Oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. North Billerica. Bill yeah, he had his family there, and they went nuts. 
his family, all of his friends, a bunch of his teammates from BC, too. It's like 40 people were there specifically to watch him. His first NHL game, he gets a goal, and it was a beauty, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it's the dream. Was he down on his knee when he took the shot? Yeah. Yeah, the goal was from his knee. It was, it was a one-timer from his knee. Damn it. I mean, you can't ask for a better night. And he's only one of, like, six Bruins first-year players to have done that. The last two Bruins to score a goal in their first game, as any first with the with their in their first NHL game with the Bruins. Well, they're not a terribly auspicious group to be honest, because it was uh, it was Donato and Sinishin were the last two to do that. <laughs> hey, however you do it, it's fine. You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> We don't know what McLaughlin's going to be, but we know on that first that first night, he was good. Yeah. He, he did the thing. He did the other things, you know? And he only wanted to sign in Boston. Apparently, like, when teams came knocking, he didn't even talk to other teams. <laughs> oh, my God. He's the opposite of Gus Nyquist. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the main slander here. <laughs> all right tim i will stop it for now i won't do that but anyway um yeah uh, that's incredible uh and and that the bruins and that he knew the bruins would sign him right he's like i don't want to yeah. talk to the other other teams i'm going with the bruins like what if the bruins had not come up i mean then he almost certainly would have talked to other teams but yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, man, okay, fine. Uh, agent, find someone, please. <laughs> I guess if I have to sign somewhere else, I will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that game, I don't necessarily want to talk about the whole game. I just want to say it was a beatdown because remember, what was it that the Leafs fans said after the Leafs game? The Bruins? Oh, were broken. They were broken. They yeah. were a broken team. They're going to lose the next game by at least four or more. Which again, did these people just stop watching after uh, after about two thirds of the second period? Like, because like even watching that Bruins that, that Leafs game, it's like yeah, Bruins lost them kind of badly. But like, how could you come to that conclusion? Regard setting aside the insanity of it, without the context of how that game ended, whatever. Oh my God, <laughs> we failed to even talk about the big moment in that game that that made the Leafs fans lose their mind. Oh, yeah, that moment where Hall apparently reenacted a Todd Bertuzzi. <laughs> to ask certain Leafs fans. And he deserved to get suspended for the rest of Ever. his life. Okay, so let's just go over this. Uh, he got penalized on the play, which was really nothing. Everybody ignores what happened just before that, which was Labushkin hit Hall in a bad way that Hall is lucky he didn't get injured, right? It's not that they don't forget that. It's not that they forget that. They just don't think that was bad. They just think there was I nothing mean, wrong So, on the one hand, like, they have a little bit of a point in that that makes what the Hall-Lebushkin interaction after look worse because it makes it retaliatory. But that's more a condemnation that should be aimed at the refs. Oh, God, the refs were so terrible in that game. Because basically, you know, they were like, okay, there's a couple of things going on here. We're not really sure. Let's throw both uh, a player of both teams in. But the Bruins player always got 
got thrown in if they didn't know what was happening. So it was like, it's very clearly obvious that the Bruin was not the one at fault here, but we're going to throw them in the box. Well, and again, when there's an obvious retaliatory event, the league should be disciplining the red, the officials for that game as well, because they, their failings, generally speaking, allowed it to happen. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, so many soft calls, so many non-issues Bruins in the box. But that, you know, it's like, sure, if you want to penalize uh, Taylor Hall for that, that's great. But you need to, t- the, to uh, penalize uh, Labushkin as well. So, I mean, he ended up being out of the game. Uh, I like what Mark Mathot said. He said, look, you know, look at what happened before. Look at Taylor Hall is trying to just grab him and turn him around. And then something went wrong. Well, yeah. there's the thing. Everyone was talking about it being a sucker punch. And, like, you look at every single replay. It's like his hand is obviously open. He's, it's a mugging. It's absolutely a roughing call. I would even say a roughing fine. Yeah, that was appropriate. Yeah, you got fined $5,000. Sure. You know, just to be like, whatever. But, like, again, there's no reason to make a hit something that it conspicuously is not. And I, 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 and I, it's not just Leafs fans that do this. Bruins fans do it, too. All hockey fans do. And it's just like, guys, just, just you don't need to, like, start engaging in, 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 in fantabulism here to, to, to illustrate that this wasn't appropriate. You also don't need to attack people in social media. Yes. About it. And you don't need to just completely confirm all the time that you guys are nut jobs. This is your. It was like this is your brain. This is your brain on leaf fandom. Was uh, was uh, one of the was one of several quips I made to these responses. The other one being uh, that maybe there's a, a certain cognitive uh, reasoning uh, ability that comes with being a Leafs fan. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I just wanted to make sure that we got back to that because I I forgot about it and I'm like oh shit we need to talk about that. Obviously, Bruins aren't broken, whatnot, you know. Um, last night's game, I don't want really want to go into it too much. Um, very few penalties. So that was pretty good. Uh, Eric Halla on a roll. There were large periods of that game last night, though, that the Bruins were getting outplayed by the Blue Jackets. And we saw this before because they, they squeaked by them before earlier in the season. And guess what? They're going to have to play them again very soon. <laughs> very soon. Yes. Right. Uh. So, so basically... I'm not worried about it. We know this. We know that sometimes there are teams that match up very well against the Bruins and can shut them down uh, for periods of time. But the Bruins ultimately advanced on the night of uh, Nick Foligno's uh, 1000th career game celebration, which had all the Felinos, well, not his sisters, but, you know, and his brother. But his dad was there. It was great. Um, so, uh, it was a good time to see that. Good to see Johnny Busick, although, you know, he's getting a little more frail as time has gone on. Um, he's an old man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, he was a career Bruin for like 60 years or something. Right. So guy deserves to retire and live in peace, but it's good to see him. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and then Willie O'Ray was in the building last night. Had his own suite. Beautiful. He got to see his banner. Wonderful. And he was in town for Score Boston's uh, Willie O'Ree Skills Challenge. So 
fantastic. They had that over it. Oh, uh, and then, you know, the team he's part movie. owner on just won the Isabel, right? Ah, <laughs> yes, they just won the Isabel Cup. I forgot about the Boston Pride and all of this. Yes. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, that was so amazing. I stayed up for that game because it was a nine o'clock start. But, oh, my God, I can't believe that the, the Pride came back and won. Fantastic. Like, I went into the weekend last weekend. I'm like, oh, they won on Friday. But I don't know. The power plays... They they outscored their their opponents all weekend long. Like I think it was like sixteen to four or something. Uh, unbelievable. Definitely won. They got to celebrate on uh, the the uh, on Thursday night at the Garden. Very very wonderful. By the way, it's called the Isabel Cup because Lord Stanley's daughter was named Isabel, and. Oh. She is reportedly one of the first female hockey players in Canada. Oh, that's neat. I like that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's well thought out. Mm-hmm. Nice. It is. Um, I think it's a shame that Ty Tuminia is um, stepping down um, from the commissionership because she's really grown the the league. And uh, by all means, like it looks like it's going to continue in growth. And I... I Say, if you can't get to a Pride game or any PHF game next year, you can always watch it on ESPN+. And they're really putting an effort to, to put together people who are really in uh, invested and uh, want to uh, call the games and be part of the game. So very happy this season. It's good hockey. Uh, it's just a little different because there are some things that are not allowed in the women's game that are allowed in the men's game. So... For those of you who don't really like, you know, fighting or um, violent checks, this is the game for you. Um, and I know that some people, they don't like some aspects of hockey. They love hockey, but not all of this. So there you go. So, yes, very happy, very proud of the uh, Pride. Maybe next year I'll actually make it to whatever site, because I think they're going to do neutral sites um, from now on, which is fine. Um I just didn't want to go to Florida. So anyway, yes. So exciting. Um, yeah. So Willie O'Ree was in, in town last night. It was wonderful to see him. They, they put him up on the jumbo Tron. I was so happy. Uh, my husband was at the game for the first time in, I don't know, almost a year. He got to see the banner. It was all wonderful. Love it. Great night. Sean Corrales was in town and God damn it. He was part of one of these, uh, the, the scoring things. Jerk. Anyway, but I wanted to talk about that Bruins-Habs game. Now, I know the Habs are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They were the first team to be mathematically eliminated. And they're having a terrible year. I don't even know if Carey Price is actually coming back ever this season, which is fine. Take the time for you. Mm-hmm. You have been through a lot. Carey Price, like I'm just talking to him right now. I know he listens. You've been out through a lot. Your family's been through a lot. You need to get yourself into a good headspace and get better. It's fine. Uh, in the meantime, they have Jake Allen, who I forgot was a thing. <laughs> and um, apparently during this game, Jack, Jake Allen also forgot he was a thing. No, actually, that it was a, a very close game. Um, uh, it, it's nice to see a rivalry game 
That doesn't necessarily mean anything in the standings, although every point is important for the Bruins in a way, but they pretty much are where they're going to be in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. But points are important uh, for the Bruins, so they can't just be losing to a team that is selling off assets and not as competitive in the standings as they are. And the Bruins squeaked by in overtime 3-2. to two. And I think the really important thing about this game is at the end, when Marshy scored the overtime winner, it's like the whole team just surrounded him on the ice. Because I, I got the feeling like, okay, this is the guy that has been the leader since Bergie's been out. And he's been through some crap. And a lot of it is self-perpetuated crap this season. So it's good to see the team just like kind of rally around him. And I, I felt like it was a, a really big win for him and the team. Because even though, you know, like Jeff said, they only had like, what, three regulation losses in, in March? Uh, yeah, three regulation losses, one overtime. That's it. Yeah, um, this was just a big game. Just a big game for them. For the team believing in, in themselves. So they played against some of their big time opponents this these past couple of weeks. Like the Lightning and uh, the Islanders who they haven't gotten by in in a long time. You know, but this game, I just, I felt like it was really important because they were all like just rallying around Marshy who won the game. Well, and that's, it was a game without Bergie. It was a game with the uh, the reinforcements weren't there yet. Yep. Yeah, Lindholm wouldn't play until later in the week, yeah. Oh, but when Lindholm did play. Man, Lindholm's game against against Tampa and then the Isle and then against the Isles just 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 Bruins fans, we are blessed we are going to get to watch this this McAvoy Lindholm pairing for the next, you know, 8 years. Oh my god. I know we were talking about like, oh, the length of the contract is not great and whatever. Don't worry about that. Screw that. Don't talk about that. Don't worry about that. Worry about that later. Just enjoy it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a hard time looking into the future, which is very funny for a person who reads tarot from time to time. But I have a hard time looking into the future. So from now, I'm just going to enjoy it. That's what I want. That's what I, I learned this season. Just enjoy it. And we got Lindholm and oh my goodness. And I know I have to vie with Tim because Tim likes his Swedes yeah, and his Scandinavians and, and such. But oh man, I just, I loved it. And the Bolts game, it was, it was one of those things where you go through the first period and nobody scores on either side. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a good game. Because we can sit there and say, "Oh, the blowout against the uh, the New Jersey Devils that's that's a good no that's not again really a good the, game. <laughs> the, the the best game against the Bolts that the Bruins have ever played was a one o game." Mm. Yep, and that I mean it's also one of the best games the Bolts have ever played against the Bruins, even though they lost. Like, that was you know. that was the playoff game, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was twenty eleven the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. game seven. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and the one that, goal wasn't scored till late. Again, again, people complain about scoring, but that is unequivocally one of the most beautifully, cleanly, well put together across the board games I've ever seen. So, 
Yep. And the officiating matched it, which was which was nice. Oh, that game. Was there wasn't game. there absolutely no penalties that game? I'm pretty sure. Zero <laughs> penalties. It was just a beautiful game. I have that game on on DVD because if you got that 2011 DVD set uh, that showed all of the wins, that that one win um, was also included in that. So, all right, I'll have to rewatch that. But anyway, it was just it's one of those games where it's like, okay, you had a Bruins killer, a new Bruins killer, kill you in a goal, but then you had David Pasternak score a hat trick, and no, my husband was not at that game. And yes, my husband was at last night's game and he was sad. And at one point he was like, doesn't Pasta know I have too many hats? Eric Howla tried. I, I I know. I know. He did. God bless Eric Howla. He was trying. Pasta looked limp last night. Like he had been cooked a little too much. Anyway, my husband also was like, oh, I didn't wear my scally hat. I changed that. And I'm like, He's like, maybe he's mad at that. But anyway, yeah, so Pasta had the Pasta trick uh, against the Bolts. That was beautiful. Of course, Stamkos. Damn it. But they, they won this game in regulation. Oh, and and it's one of a run of games lately where they've just had such utterly dominant run of play. Like the Bruins have been consistently putting up north. I had a bunch of games there where they put up north of 40 shots. Isn't it wonderful? Just absolutely. Just, 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 just pummeling the other team's goalies. Yeah, remember when they used to not take shots? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that was the, the dark criti- times. The, yeah, <laughs> that was our criticism of the team for so long before before Cassidy. It's like, why don't they take shots? Why does Claude want to win games with like no shots on goal? Win zero zero. Come on, why? But anyway, that this this team is shot happy. They love it. I wish they would connect a little bit more sometimes, but. As we've seen, the more you pepper the shots at them, the more likely you'll get something to go through. So, it's it's, it's the Craig it's the Craig Smith way. It is. Just he's, throw so much rubber down there. Eventually, twenty goals will go in. <laughs> oh my God, he's the Mandalorian. This is the way. <laughs> During one of the goals last night, they actually had Grogu. Like they had some scenes from the Mandalorian. One of them was like Grogu spitting a. A frog out of his mouth. <laughs> but anyway, you want to see the Bruins play up to the people who are higher than them in the standings and play up, uh, play their game against the teams that are lower than them, right? Not play down to them, just play their game. So this week, the Bruins, you know, as they've been doing for a while now, they've been just playing pretty well. And playing the hockey they should be playing. They had a blip. It did not wreck them. It didn't wreck us. Everything's fine. And it's nice to see the Bruins just pummel the Islanders with Berge coming back. Just, 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 just a absolute bludgeoning. It was great. Gave up three goals, but like that's because Olmark was in net. And like if Olmark's in net, you're giving up three goals. You, you, ha- you got to score three or four goals at a minimum to win with Olmark in net. It's what it is. Yeah, his goals against average is a high two, almost three. So yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, so very excited about the, getting the monkey off their back there. I think we basically talked about all the games in some way or another. Um, yeah. You know, love Lindholm. Olmark's been playing great. Swayman had a rough night, 
but bounce back he's, last he's, night. He's had, he's, he's had some squirrely um, puck managing, man, managing even some of these good games of late. He's got to clean it up a touch before the playoffs, but he's got some time. So He's still considered a rookie. I hate saying rookie, but he's still considered a rookie. But now we're venturing into the, like, kind of not real start, or uh, not official start, but like the real start of his sophomore season in a way. So it's like, so things yeah. are a little rough. It, it's okay. He can clean them up. I believe in him. By the way, did you see what I'm wearing? I did. Goalie hugs. Goalie hugs. <laughs> hug it out, they call it, but that's okay. Yeah, I was like, I got to have that. No Lindholm jerseys yet, but you can get, you can get a jersey at the pro shop. And uh, I couldn't find a Swayman jersey. They used to have them, but I couldn't find one. So yet you can go get any variation on these. They have some on Redbubble. This one I got at the pro shop. I love the hug. And when I don't get to see the hug, I'm very, very sad. Okay. Got to see a hug last night. Very, very happy. I have taken the habit of not turning off the broadcast the moment the um, uh, buzzer sounds and holding out long enough to get the hug. <laughs> yep, you gotta have it. You gotta have it. And if for some reason they, like, when they were on the road, like, the feed would sometimes cut off before the goalie hug, they usually have it on the Bruins Twitter account. Because they realize they're smart enough, they're like, aha, people like this! We must exploit it. And yes, you exploit it. I love it. I I just can't live without the goalie hug now. In fact, I was sad. I went to the game and I'm like, they lost and there's no goalie hug. And I'm like, but I want a goalie hug. Poor, poor Swayman, Swayman looked so dejected after that six goal thing. But, and I wanted to give him a hug so much because so sad. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's the fun thing. Oh, okay. So. Let's talk about Tuca. Tuca is not just Jeff's cat. Tuca is a former goalie of the the Boston Bruins who was honored in a retirement ceremony on Thursday night. So his remarks before are really interesting. He talked about how his uh, hip uh, basically made him stop playing. He did fine during the rehab. And when he was skating, you know, at first it was like once a week, then two times a week, then up to four times a week, I think he said he was skating and it felt good, you know. And then when it got into situations where he was practicing and playing, he realized pretty early into it that his hip was not responding the way that it should. Yeah, he um, uh, was uh, stretching at uh, Anaheim in the Anaheim game. And felt both his groin and his hip pop. Ugh. That was pretty much it. I mean, that game was a that that game was a calamity. And then, of course, the road trip that saw the end of Tuca came immediately thereafter. <laughs> he just he just knew he couldn't do it anymore. He's like, it's not fair for me to play like a game or two, and then take weeks off and then come back. That's not what I I need to do. So I I knew I I needed to stop playing. I needed to retire. And he also even said in his comments that he said that continuing to try would have been unfair, specifically to Swayman. Yes! Which means anyone who ever talks about Tuka being a team player can go punch themselves in the fucking nuts. And if they don't yes. have nuts, find something similar, similarly sensitive to punch themselves in. He's still <laughs> continuing to mentor Swayman, too. Yeah. Because he has been hired by the team, guys. 
brand out, brand ambassador right now. So he shows up to fundraisers and meets with sponsors and stuff. But he's he's very open and he would like to get into coaching. We'll see what that ends up looking like. Obviously, he's a goalie, so goalie coaching, which is, you know, stable work. I mean, how long has Bob Asensi been goalie coach? Forever, approximately. <laughs> okay, one, he's, he also describes his job as shaking hands in sweets. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. So they may change the, the name of what he is. He's kind of like going on to the line of that um, uh, when Brett Hall was with the star, was, um, post-career with the stars, was his, his title, his informal title was the ambassador of fun. I like it. I think that's really <laughs> funny for, for Tuga to be like that. I got to tell you, if I had a suite at the garden and Tuca came in and shook hands with me, I'd have some Bud Light there for him. Have a Bud Light with us. Come on. I'm glad that he's back. He's still with the team. Uh, obviously, to stay in the U.S., he needs to probably have a job, right? So he has a job with the Bruins. He and his family can stay here because this is their adopted home. So that's great. You can stay in at Newton and, and do all of that stuff. And it's good to be working, even if it's a fun job, which is probably the, the, the goal. And goalie Bob has literally been the Bruins goaltending coach since he retired. Yeah. It's a while. Yeah. 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 I love goalie Bob. <laughs> I don't want goalie Bob to go anywhere, but. Or it could just be part of this goaltending staff. Like some, you know, some teams have large goaltending development and coaching staffs. Who says you don't need a third person besides goalie Bob and Mike Dunham? Why are you limited by what you have for your development staff anyway? You're not. Well, you're not. Exactly. You have as many as you're willing to pay. Right. Come on. He was willing to come back for cheap. He's not that expensive. He's made money. I was going to say, just gives him something to do and like pays the grocery bills. Yeah. (laughs) Gets him out of the house, drops the kids off at school, home in time to pick him up. I loved it, though. He's like, my two-year-old doesn't even know I played hockey because she was born during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and then he was injured and he had surgery. So, yeah, she doesn't have any memory of that. But she gets to have her dad home a lot more, I guess. So that'll be cool. But anyway, Tuca is the all-time winningest Bruin goalie, third in career save percentage behind the, what is it? Is it Dryden Hasek or? Yeah, it seems like the likely uh, candidates. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So he had a really good career. He didn't win the Stanley Cup on his own, not for a lack of trying. And anybody who wants to just say that, you know, Tuca shit the bed and everything. I don't think you're one of our listeners anyway, Um, because we all don't believe that. Could he have played better at times? Yep. Can you say that about lots of players? Absolutely. So just... Stop it with the Tuca hate. You don't need to ha- have that anymore. So I miss Tuca. I do. But I I realize he he made the best decision for him. So uh, and ultimately it was the best decision for the team. So there we go. Oh, one thing. Other thing happened this week. Uh, Bruins did sign another undrafted college free agent this week. Uh, Western Michigan um, uh, Broncos goalie Brendan uh, Bussey or Busey. One of those. B U S S I. Six foot five. It's a large boy. Um, just so quick rundown. He's a 23 year old um, uh, right catch goalie. He's from uh, South Beach, New York. So um, uh, Staten Island. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so New Jersey. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Played three years at, uh, at Western Michigan. This year we were in 39 games. Uh, had a goals against of uh, 254 and a save percentage of uh, 0.912. It's the best of the three years there. Nothing spectacular, but again, found money. Signed for a one-year ELC starting next year. And he has started practicing. He started practicing with Providence. Yeah, he's on a, he's on an ATO with Providence for the remainder of this season. Right, right. But anyway, yes, big bo- big goalie. And considering both Booth and Grosnick are probably being released into UFA this summer, um, it just makes sense to acquire additional depth to play behind Kaiser in uh, Providence next year. Yep. Yep. Even though Kaiser's been not great. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Tim. I mean, he sounded so great when they first signed him and all the stuff that he was doing to mentally prepare himself. And it sounds like he just got His undid pro career's by... just been... It's just... He just had rough luck. Injuries and pandemic and... And of course, the whole ECHL, our ECHL affiliate, not having a um, a season last year, and <laughs> yeah, oh, poor guy. And this year's just Grossnick is just playing a lot better. It's just kind of what it is. Again, he's, he just found money. He didn't. They didn't use a draft pick on him. They they, they brought him to to, to 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 rookie camp and then signed him. That was the interesting thing about McLaughlin, right? He was at like he was at Dev Camp last year. Yeah. No, it's hard. there was a lot of other high high name like big name guys that were going to be a undrafted for undrafted college free agents that were in that camp. One or two of them have signed elsewhere. Uh, Matt Copperud comes to mind. So the one to watch is Ben Myers with Minnesota was also at that development camp. Who is the premier target um, undrafted NCAA guy? Still waiting because he, of course, Minnesota is going to the for, is going to the finals, which uh, so so he's uh, not uh, not available yet. But mm, okay. much like McLaughlin was, of course, also uh, one of the undrafted free agents that were selected for Team USA for the Olympics. So I don't really think Bruins are going to get him. Apparently, there are several teams kicking the tires, and Bruins haven't been listed as one of them in any of the rumors I've seen. But like you know, you can't win them all. Yes, yeah, that's just how it is. All right. So, uh, Tim, anything to say about Providence? Well, they had a tough game Friday. They lost one nothing in overtime, which sucks. That's mm. like the worst. Like you, you get everything except for the scoring. Grossnick had over thirty saves in the game, and like I said, he's just he's just played so much better this season than Kaiser has, which is unfortunate. Right now, the Bruins do sit in third in the confer- or in the division. They have 70 points, 58 games played. Charlotte is ahead of them, and so is Springfield. Charlotte has 78 points, but they've also played in six more games. And Springfield has 79 points, but they've also played in five more games. And the team below them is Hershey, who has 69 points in 65 games. So Providence is like the least amount of games played in the con- in the division at 58 games. And I think they'll end up having the least amount of games played the way because of the way the schedule worked out too. They just they just haven't played a lot, but they're 
their uh, defense is quite good in the 58 games. They've only given up 154 goals. So, I mean, it's kind of been their thing, playing good defense. But, yeah, they have a game today. They play at 4 o'clock, I think. So, if you guys, if anyone, oh, well, this won't be out. But they, they play at 4 o'clock today, and then they play tomorrow. Uh, another afternoon game tomorrow afternoon. Oh, wow. Uh, a Monday game. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it's one of the makeup games for one that got postponed with the uh, pandemic uh, and stuff because they had a they had a few games early on where that happened, but they do play tomorrow as well. Uh, Cameron Hughes is still leading the way in points. He's got forty four points in fifty four games. Uh, Fogarty is second, and he has thirty six points in fifty games. Jack Stadnika has thirty three points, and before Snishin was traded away he had 31 points in 51 games and another guy having good years Jesper Froden he has got 29 points in 44 games Jack Ashan is down back with them so he's got to look at 22 points in 38 games and another defenseman having a good year with them is Victor Berglund uh, he was drafted uh, well, that's good late. he had a really slow start to this season didn't he he did <laughs> He did have a very slow start, but he's got he's got five goals, eleven assists in thirty six games. So he's uh, picked it up. He played a few games at Maine as well to start the year. So he was in Maine, and then uh, they brought him up to uh, Providence. But he's playing very well. Um, I would say Ashan and Berglund are their best defensemen playing right now. But yeah. So the only concern I would have longer term is it's great that the team's doing well. Um, it, it, it's not rich in true prospects. No, it's not. And some of the ones that are on the team aren't playing well, like Lauko, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Lauko's having a tough season. Um, uh, Steen has slowed down a bit after uh, starting out and playing really well. But, like, yeah, there's not a lot of true prospects on the team. A lot of guys like Cameron Hughes, who's kind of been around the organization for a while. Fogarty has been kicked around a few different organizations. Froden is a guy they signed out of Sweden who's a little bit older. So, I mean, they don't have a lot of true prospects. I mean, they do have... Lauko, like you said, but like he's only got three goals and eleven assists in forty games. He's having a really tough season. Samuel Aslin, I mean, he he's not again not a really a true prospect. He was undrafted. I know that they do it. Good old uh, you mean Black Bear, great Edwards tra- <laughs> Trailmax. Trailmax. Eddie Trailmax. <laughs> he's having a, a pretty decent season. He's got 12 goals and 11 assists in 45 games. What is it that that, that line of um, uh, 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 trail mix, uh, Coppinen and, um, uh, and and Justin Brezzo is just like 1,200 pounds of uh, uh, 1,200 pounds of beef, right? Yes, <laughs> beef line, and and they're playing well. I mean, Brezzo's actually playing pretty well right now too. Uh, so. Yeah, they that that beef line is actually working out because Brazil has like twenty three points in thirty eight games. So and Coppinen I think has like has twenty six points in fifty four games. So I mean they're kind of working out. We'll see. 
You know, they lost Sinishin at this point. Brady Lyle was traded, although Brady Lyle wasn't playing very well. They, they, they just, like, they don't have very many true prospects, like Je- uh, Jeff said. That's the problem. So we'll see how next year goes, and we'll see how their run this year goes. It could be that they have the perfect amount of young random players and uh, veterans to make a deep run, but I don't know that success is sustainable beyond the season. We'll, well see. Well, then there's the thing. It's like a lot of AHL teams, clubs that then proceed to win the Calder Cup, Not with the exception of that, of that one Syracuse team, they don't actually tend to have that many players go on to kick ass for the big club. It's kind of a weird no. trend. Yeah. That Syracuse team being an extreme outlier, of course, because like that, that had, you know, Kucherov, Nemestikov, Johnson and Pilat on it. <laughs> Which is just insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's generally the teams that are able to uh, get the right amount of veteran career AHL guys in there. Uh, to win and we'll see i mean the teams ahead of providence in terms of um the standings uh springfield is pretty good but like springfield scores a ton of goals they have 197 goals scored but they've given up 192 (laughs) so like <laughs> That's not <laughs> real sustainable either. Like they've got a ton of points, but like you're not gonna. You're, that's hard to. You, they're just basically outscoring everyone. Charlotte is a little bit more balanced. They have scored 214 goals, and they've they they've given up 182. Uh, Providence's problem isn't de- is like their defense is great. They've only given up 154 goals, but they've also only scored 170. So like. they're winning a lot of uh, low-scoring games is uh, what it is. But they're fun to watch, so that's fun. Very good. Thank you, Tim. Well, I think it's that time to talk about that schedule. Yeah, so upcoming games. we got uh, seven games over the next uh, two weeks. Um, Hmm. Starting off with a four-game road trip. Uh, Kicks off tomorrow night. That's April 4th. 7 p.m. Eastern time in Columbus. Oh, yeah. For a rematch of Saturday's game. Uh, followed on a back-to-back the next night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at Detroit. I mean, like I'd say it's like a back-to-back. Oh, but Detroit's been like astonishingly bad in the last couple months after having been, you know, much like Columbus, reasonably strong to start the season and just then just nah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I forgot that we still had a game against Detroit, so... So we played so many of those earlier in there in the year. And, uh, and then on Friday, that's uh, April 8th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at Tampa. Ooh. Ooh. I know. Very exciting. And the last game of the road trip on the 10th. So that's next Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. So it's a huge manatee game Ooh-hoo. against the Caps. Oh, yeah. I forgot we have to play them again. I mean, yeah. it should be, like, important. It's like, ooh, you know, the two wild card teams and stuff. But the Bruins have done pretty well against the Caps this year. I'm just not as excited um, about also, it. Also, the Bruins currently sit with, like, a, a seven-point advantage over the over the Caps as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, I think it's going to be a fine game. But I'm really interested in that Tampa game, so. 
Uh, like Ross is it catch games are usually fun. I mean, like except for the whole, you know, Garnet Hathaway experience. Ah, uh, sentient boat shoe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And 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 don't overlook Ovechkin's propensity to try to take out one of our defensemen. It's happened. Yeah, this is true. This is this is quite true. Um, also, unlike the last couple of games, last game or two against him, they got they do have Mantha back now. For what that's worth, he's I, been out most of the season. I forgot about him. Oh well, yeah, it might yeah, be a little closer. Yeah, it might be a closer game yeah. than we thought. Yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway, moving on from there, then we come home, three-game three road stand starting the 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern time against St. Louis, first game against them this season. Oh, my God, Tory Krug is coming back. It's going to be the yeah. first time Tory Krug will be back in Boston. Please don't boo him, guys. I mean, there's going to be the tribute video and stuff, so, like, maybe they won't. Again, like, Krug didn't choose to leave. Sweeney clearly chose not to sign Krug, so yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why Tim's saying don't boo him. It's look, yep, yep, yep. I think I really think that Sweeney said this is what we think about you, and this is the offer, take it or leave it. And Krug's like, is are you sure this is it? I mean, don't you want to talk about it some more? And he was like, no, this. I mean, in the end, he ended up with a reasonably modest contract. So I'd be very interested to find out what that take it or leave it deal was. Yeah, but I, I still just think like, oh, okay, well, this is what you chose to do, Sweeney. So, and then we went two years without replacing him. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, then uh, on Thursday, the 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern time against Ottawa. Really? Do we have to again? Like, Why does no it one seem like we're, play- we're playing against Ottawa like five times and we play against... The least so three. that's one of the things since the current divisional alignment was put together, we got a lot of games against weird teams in the division. Like, like I feel like every year we play more games against Ottawa than we do against like the Habs or Leafs. It's just like, why, why, why would you do this to a schedulers? Schedulers. Nobody wants to see that. No, no, ain't nobody got time for time for that shit. I want to see more games against the Leafs and the Lightning and the Habs. Those are the teams I want to see. But like Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo? No, thank you. No, I don't want those. No. Hmm. I no. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then sixteenth last game of the two weeks stint, two thirty twelve thirty PM Eastern time, get home against Pittsburgh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. I mean this is gonna be an interesting couple of weeks. It's a, a neat little um uh of games here, you know, against like three cellar dwellers. Two Earth Shakers and one good team and one well, whatever the fuck the Caps are this season. <laughs> <laughs> Middling, Middling. That's that's what I would describe them as. They're they're so focused on getting Ovi that record that they've just kind of forgotten that that's not the point of the season. I mean, they got a cup out of the Ovi era, and that looked for a long time like that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, that, it that, made that, me that, sad that they got a cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then Trotz, I loved what Trotz did. He was like, "No thanks to the option," and moved on. Well, it was a weird, like, like that option was so strange. Like it was a very like weird terms. Like if you win the cup, you get to automatically get this extra year, but like at no money, a hundred grand more or something. Which part of me is just like, why would he agree to this unless he assumed there was no fucking way he was winning a cup with this team when he signed his contract? 
<laughs> yeah, so I I appreciate that he walked away, that he was the one who walked away. And yes, the Islanders are struggling this year, but I think at some point they're going to come back and and be just defensively dicks. <laughs> I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> I I hope not either, but uh, Trotz is too good a coach for this team to... I mean, he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. so Maybe he'll move on from them too. That would be even better. Yeah, go out somewhere out west. There you go. Where we don't see you for much of the year. I mean, like, it's only a matter of time before Lou just gets bored and fires him and declares himself the coach for the end, the end of season. Because that's what happened when they fired Claude. Claude was in the midst of... It was closing out a winning season. When Lou just decided to fire him and went into the playoffs coaching his own team. Lou's a weird dude. <laughs> Is that why Trotz had to shave off his facial hair? It's a good chance of that. Lou's got, you know, a weird thing about beards. Yeah, Kyle Palmieri is not the player that he was when he had the beard. Oh, yeah, definite definite Samson aspect there. Yeah. I know, and I called it early, didn't I? I did. I did. Mm. It's teams from New York, man, because the Yankees have the no beard rule, too. What, you, what are well, you trying to prove with that? You know what you can do? You can say you can have a beard, but it must be trimmed. No, no Joe Thornton, no Brett Burns. They have a no beard rule, but you're allowed to have a mustache, which looks even worse. I was going to say that's like, that's, like, of the time. that's like professional firefighter rules. And that's just because respirators and hockey players, generally speaking, don't have to wear respirators. Right, right. So <laughs> maybe that's why Austin Matthews grew that ugly thing. Because Lou's gone. <sighs> but anyway, yeah, it's not a good look. Sorry, Austin Matthews. You're ugly either way. I actually personally like beards. And I think that men, as long as they keep their beards, like, looking kempt, I think it's great. There's so many products out there to make your beards look and feel great these days. So why are you saying, no, you must be clean shaven? That's bull. Bull hockey. There you go. See? I say this to at least one person who has a beard here. Tim, do you have a beard? No, I recently shaved it. To Every so often, I shave the entire thing just to kind of restart it. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, no problem with that. That is fine. That's your prerogative. My husband does that every once in a while, too. But, uh, look, I, I just think the idea of, like, clean-shaven men, that's the only way that you can look professional or something. I think it's BS. So, yeah, it is. That's my thought on that. But... We need to wrap up this show, so we're going to do that. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Want to talk to us? Reach out to us. On Facebook, we're at Barely on Topic Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Barely on Topic. And, of course, there are our individual Twitter accounts. I, for one, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at beardsareokbyme.com. Also known as at BA from RI. Word.